I would say for treating an infected ulcer, your only options are liquids. They're all drops. But for your uh, you know general superficial ulcer, non-infected ulcer, then it's kind of owner's choice. I would say what's easier for them to give. Welcome to the Sawyer Vet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet. Now what? I'm your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. This week, I welcome Dr. Alex Sigmund, board-certified ophthalmologist, back to the microphone for a clinical case. In this episode, we look at the case of the young brachycephalic dog who presents with a red, painful eye. Listen along as Alex walks us through the diagnostics, medication, and client communication you need to care for this patient appropriately. I had so much fun learning from Alex in this episode, and again, there is so much to take away from it. So let's dive right into it. All right, you guys, welcome back to another episode. I am excited to welcome back Dr. Alex Sigmund. And today we are actually going to do a clinical case for you guys. So Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me again. I loved it before. So here I am. Here we are. <laughs> and we're going to have so much fun because we're talking about eyeballs, Alex's favorite thing as a board certified ophthalmologist. And I am here. I'm going to pretend to be that first year um, veterinarian who has some pretty good knowledge about ophthalmology, but is presented with something that's making me a little worried. And so I'm going to Alex, my mentor, to kind of figure this out. So Alex, I'm coming to you today because I have a little brachycephalic two-year-old. It could be a Frenchie, it could be a Shih Tzu, you know, they kind of all (laughs) present the same, who's squinting (laughs) and has a little bit of a like a red eye. And so I want to make sure that my plan sounds good, that I'm doing the right things for this patient. I mean, I've done my exam. I can see that there's a lot of like all those scleral vessels are angry and the dog is squinting at me. And when I shine my ophthalmoscope, I think I see something going on with the cornea, but I don't really know. So I was thinking about doing a Shermer or tear test and a fluorescine stain. What other things should I be doing for this patient? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is to visualize the eye, which it sounds like you've already done. But I do see some cases that are referred without the eye actually being examined because the patient is so painful that they just can't get a look at it. And so kind of my tricks are uh, I give them preparacaine. So you can definitely have a hospital bottle of that, keep it in the fridge, and uh, you can use that preparacaine, give it to them, see if that'll numb whatever is hurting their cornea so that they'll relax, open that eye up so that you can actually see what you're dealing with. Because looking at that eyes, obviously, you have to do an exam. Yes. And I'm going to do the same thing. So if you refer it to me, I, I will, you know, we can give pain medication as well, you know, if we need to. A Schremer tear test is definitely indicated for any red eye. And if you are worried about the cornea being too fragile for some reason based off of its appearance, usually dry eye is bilateral. So you can always test the tear production in the other eye. Okay. But, you know, with our Schremers, it needs to be, of course, uh, above 15, ideally. 
And anything below 10 is pretty much diagnostic. And then if you're between 10 and 15, it's going to be a little bit of a gray zone. Always go with your clinical signs. So even if I get a 12 on a patient with no clinical signs, I'm going to just hold out and uh, maybe recheck it. But this patient has a red eye and is kind of gunky. So your next step is your fluorescein stain. You definitely want to do that after you've done a Schirmer's or else it'll mess up that test. Um, your fluorescein stain is going to stick to the stroma of your cornea. So our epithelium is gone. The epithelium is a barrier to our fluorescein. So if you have stain uptake, you're going to see that fluorescein, that fluorescent green on the cornea. This is where you're going to need to use a cobalt blue light. A lot of the ophthalmoscopes that you'll get actually have a uh, kind of a greenish uh, teal light that is not cobalt blue. You need a cobalt blue uh, in order to fluoresce uh, that stain. So not all of the ophthalmoscopes come with cobalt blue. So you definitely want to check that out. And then you want to see, you know, if there is stain uptake, how do we characterize it? Like, do we think it's superficial? Do we think it has a little bit of a divot to it or not? Are there infiltrates around it? You know, like this kind of creamy looking appearance around the ulcer. And then we have to look at the inside of the eye. So is there flare in there? What's our pupil doing? You know, are we visual in this eye? Do we see any corneal blood vessels anywhere on the cornea? Corneal blood vessels take about five to seven days to get started, and then they grow a millimeter a day. So if you have a client that comes in and says, oh, this just happened, but like, there's blood mm-mm. vessels everywhere, you're going to be like, <laughs> I have you questions don't know this, but this. I know that you, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking at your internal structures of the eye, is there flare? You know, Do you see blood in the eye? Do you see uh, hypopion, which is going to be like a white precipitate in the bottom of the anterior chamber? All of those are going to help you kind of pinpoint how severe things look. I feel like in general practice, um, the most common thing you see is probably just a routine corneal ulcer. Yeah. So like a superficial. So I guess for this patient, I've gone, I've done my Schirmer tear test. I did it on the other eye because I'm a little bit more of a chicken about um, wanting to put paper on a potential ulcer. It was normal. It was like 20, let's say, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. And then I did my fluorescein stain and we actually didn't have a cobalt blue, but we had like one of those UV light kind of setups. And I definitely saw a fluorescein stain uptake. We're working in the backcountry here, okay? No cobalt blue. Amazon has some cobalt blue uh, little pen lights. Oh, okay. Okay. There we go. And so I definitely saw a superficial ulcer. I didn't see a dysmatoseal, but it does look like this thing is pretty deep, but I didn't see any like neovascularization or anything. So I've gone over to our drawer of iMeds and I've pulled it open and I have three options in front of me. I see we have some neopolybac, we have some tobramycin, and we have ofloxacin. I don't know which one to pick. Yeah. So definitely, if you see any depth whatsoever to an ulcer, it is infected until proven otherwise. So that's where I'm always going to reach, especially if this is a naive ulcer that hasn't been treated before, you're going to reach for ofloxacin. So that's a higher level of fluoroquinolone. And studies have shown that the majority of our bacterial infections, our bacterial keratitis, are staph, strep, or uh, pseudomonas. So the staph and strep usually have like a 90 to 100 percent chance of being sensitive to the ofloxacin. So it's versus pseudomonas is something you're going to use tobramycin for primarily. Now, the only way you really know what bacteria you're dealing with is to culture it. The issue I have with cultures, because I used to do them in residency because we got results within 24 hours, but now <laughs> it takes three to five days for me to get any results. And by then the eyes either going to be perforated or it's going to be healed. Yep. <laughs> so it's not worth 300 bucks for the owner to do a culture. 
So I'll do cytologies. So uh, I will basically numb the eye with prepared cane. I have these little uh, micro swabs. They're actually eyelash brushes. Oh. Putting artificial lashes in. You can get those on Amazon too. Okay. And it's okay they're non-sterile? Correct. Because it's not a sterile True. infection anyway. <laughs> True. And so then you will just do my diff quick stain and you want to look for rods or uh, coxide. So if you're seeing rods, then you're going to reach for more like tobramycin. If you're seeing coxide, then I'll reach for like monotherapy with our ophloxacin. Okay. Like small side note then, would you choose a different medication if it was a cat? Yeah. So for cats, luckily the topical fluoroquinolones won't have any effect versus your oral fluoroquinolones like enrofloxacin. That is contraindicated in cats uh, due to retinal degeneration. But you can use topical and that's fine. Okay. Do you have this uh, infected ulcer, a stromal ulcer, let's say? We do have stromal loss. So that's where our MMPs, if you remember, MMPs are coming into effect. Yes, and we need to counteract those. That's right. Yay, I remembered something. <laughs> so we need to combat those. And that's where serum comes in. So if you have uh, an infected ulcer, a stromal ulcer, you're going to add serum. And okay. these are very frequent medications. So every two hours. And you want to recheck them within 24 hours. And so you are just pulling the patient's blood, spinning down serum and kind of preparing that. So you can do that. Uh, we buy uh, pre-packaged frozen bottles of serum. So we don't have to poke anybody just in case, um, say that eye is fragile. You don't necessarily want to poke them. Uh, <laughs> and you can use uh, dog serum on cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, cat serum is just kind of obviously a little ch- more challenging to get. Yes. <laughs> but you can definitely use uh, a donor okay. serum. So you can you can use another dog if you need to. Okay. Or you can pull it from them. Yeah, I, I've been finding for at least in our pra- practice um, here, I am real life now. We don't see as many of the deep ulcers frequently enough to like buy serum, so we end up just mm-hmm. pulling the dog's blood, spitting it down, and kind of preparing syringes for them to drop into their eye that way. So that's another option if people are looking for secondary medications, you could do it that way. So perfect. Yeah. Awesome. And so that's where ofloxacin is only for infected ulcers. I kind of hammer that point um, just because ofloxacin is one of our bigger gun antibiotics. So once our microbes are resistant to that, uh, we're going to be in a little bit more trouble when we're trying to treat these guys. So that's where being conservative with our antibiotics makes the most sense. So. And so would you use Neopoly back in any of these cases, really? So you definitely can. It's just that our studies of infected ulcers, we know that statistically, a higher amount are sensitive to ofloxacin or ciprofloxacin is another fluoroquinolone you can use. So that's why I kind of reach for those. Okay. And then neopolybac, neopolygram, teramycin, erythromycin, like those are all great broad spectrum antibiotics that I would use on a superficial ulcer. Okay. And one complete side note, I've had some people like where we have options of like our ofloxacin is a drop, but like our erythromycin is obviously the more of an ointment. And I've had some people say like, oh, I prefer an ointment because it stays on the eye longer compared to the drop. So from your perspective, like, is there really any truth behind that between choosing these medications like formulation wise? I would say for treating an infected ulcer, your only options are liquids. They're all drops. But for your, uh, you know, general superficial ulcer, non-infected ulcer, then it's kind of owner's choice. I would say what's easier for them to give. Okay. So that's where like Neopolybac or Neopolygram, I kind of use those interchangeably depending on how easy it is for owners to use okay. it. No, it's the, the age old question I've been getting. So I'm like, let me ask the specialist about this one. Sure. <laughs> so- <laughs> but ointments do last longer. I mean, that okay. is a thing. Ointments that is a do thing. last longer. Yeah. 80% of an eye drop drains immediately. So 
that's why for the superficial or the uh, infected ulcers, you're treating them every two hours uh, for the first 24 hours to 48 hours, because you just have to load up that cornea with antibiotic to sterilize the area as quickly as possible. So I guess that that helps us pivot into the next question. So now we have an idea of, yes, it's an ulcer. It's a little deep. We've chosen ofloxacin. Now we actually have to equip the owner on how to treat this patient because obviously they can't live in your hospital for the next three to five days. Maybe they can. But what's the communication? What's the spiel, I guess, that you are going to give to this client so that they feel prepared to adequately take care of this patient and know what to expect? So we've already we've given them the spiel about where the e-collar 24-7. We need to see you in three days. But for reach 24 hours. 24 hours, sorry. Yeah, um, for infected ulcers. <laughs> what else goes to that conversation? Sure. I think it's helping them judge what they're capable of doing. So if they're like, gosh, this dog is just wild and crazy. I don't know how I'm going to treat him. Maybe they need trazodone. Maybe they need ACE. Maybe they need, you know, some other sedative to just knock them out because they don't need to have any activity because they're going to be getting drops every two hours <laughs> for a while. <laughs> you know, helping them realize what they're actually capable of, showing them techniques for holding the patients if they are wiggly, you know, are we wrapping them in a towel? I find that like picking them up and putting them on the counter, like disorients them so they can both sit still for their drops. And then sometimes there are patients that cannot be treated at home. And so that's where like overnight hospitalization comes in. Fortunately, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had to do that. All of my owners so far have been able to treat it, treat the eye. Or some people will drop their pet off in the morning to have it treated, you know, all day with their primary vet. And then they pick them up at the end of the day because obviously everybody works. So, but uh, for the owners, uh, I will help them stay organized. So we have drop charts where they can fill in the times and check like a checklist basically to make sure that the drops are going as they should. I also try to give them just a, you know, every two hours is a lot. So I'll be like, you know, maybe every two to three hours. So in case one's a little bit delayed, you don't feel as bad kind of thing. Because again, people have lives. And then just letting them know that right now we're catching this. Let's say it's a a shallow stromal ulcer. So not super deep, but it is infected. You know, hey, if we tackle this really hard right now and you do exactly what I say, we could be out of the woods tomorrow. Yeah, You know, like this could be healed within 36 hours, you know, because once you get that infection under control, the epithelium will go whoop and just cover that area right up. And then you're out of the woods and you're good to go. So it's kind of impressing upon them how important it is to do what I'm saying so that this doesn't get delayed longer. And then hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll be willing to sacrifice a little bit of sleep to save thousands of dollars in a corneal graft that they may need, you know, two days from now kind of mm-hmm. thing follow-up is also super important. So they need to come back the next day to make sure that's not getting worse. It can look the same. It can look better, but it cannot look worse. Because if it looks worse, then you need to like rethink our medications. Maybe that's the time we refer or reach out to somebody because we'll change up some antibiotics or something. Okay. And then if they're looking okay, then we'll um, say, okay, we'll see you in two days or three days. So once they're like in a, a good place, we can kind of stretch out our rechecks after that. Okay. I would say a superficial ulcer in a brachycephalic dog should be rechecked within one to two days. Any other breed, like a German Shepherd, your Labrador, they can probably go three to five days. Um, Any ulcer that's not healing within about seven to 10 days, I would say needs to be evaluated for why it's not healing. Yeah. Okay. 
That gives you the time frame of, okay, like if we hit this hard right now, we can get this under control. And then, of course, like recheck in one day. And then after the first day recheck, when do you, and everything's looking good, when do you recommend a recheck after that? I would say a few days. Few so days. I'd probably say, okay, three, three or four days okay. later. And you should also impress upon them that things should be getting better, better. each day. Yeah. Like the squinting should get better. The discharge should get better. Those all should be improving day to day. Okay. No, that sounds like a good framework. And then also like just giving them the confidence, like you said, like teaching them how to medicate, maybe putting them up on the table. Those are all great ideas. And then of course, having for the doctor to say like, okay, if this isn't getting better, maybe I need to change up medication. Maybe I need to phone a friend (laughs) kind of situation. (laughs) But honestly, like this is the kind of information I wish I had as a first year vet because I remember a couple eye ulcers that I was like, wait, like going to the other doctors being like, wait, what medication do I choose? Wait, when should I be rechecking? Wait, what should I be looking for? Just because like all reason went out the window (laughs) in those situations. (laughs) But I think this is super helpful. And I know there are probably other first year vets who are like, hey, Alex, I actually have more questions. So I definitely like if they have questions, um, they can reach out to you. You're super awesome, super kind about answering these questions. So with that, I mean, we're going to wrap up today's episode. But I guess like, where can people find you? I know you're on social media. So Instagram, is that about it for now? Or are you on TikTok too? I do have a TikTok. I'm mostly on Instagram. I haven't like figured out the transition of videos from one to the other yet. (laughs) So I'm trying to get there. But uh, my main page is on Instagram. I'm the vet eye guy is how you can find me. So I update that usually a couple times a week. And uh, hopefully, my goal there is to help educate owners and general veterinarians about ophthalmology. Perfect. And I know there's going to be a ton of people that are going to start following you after this. Because I have, I honestly, (laughs) I have learned a ton from your content. Oh, thanks. Just from being like, oh, wait, that is actually what I'm supposed to do. Because there's honestly a ton of information when you start looking. But to have someone to be like, no, as a GP vet, this is what you need to know. This is what will make, like, set you, you and your patients and your clients up for success. And just having that, uh, again, phone a friend, the ability to reach out and be like, I have a question, provides so much confidence to these new um, veterinarians that are in the profession. So with that, I will say thank you once again for joining and sharing your wealth of knowledge. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. This is great. Awesome. All right. Until next time, guys. See ya. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What? or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care.